Hi, I'm Jo Clark, and thanks so much for joining me today. This is the Redefining Midlife podcast, a podcast designed for the 40-plus woman who is determined to challenge society's myths and beliefs around midlife. It's for the woman who is inspired and ready to define midlife her way. Join me each week as I chat to health and wellness experts for up-to-date information on how to live well, as well as some special conversations with incredible everyday women redefining what midlife can look like. Here's to making our next half of life even better than the first. By the time we reach midlife, we've all got some amazing stories because we've been through a lot of the highs and the lows of life, and we've seen both the good and the bad in the world. Today's guest is no exception to this. I'd love you to meet Beth Hodson. Beth's a woman who isn't afraid to try something new. She's been an entrepreneur for most of her adult life, and this means that over the years, Beth has become an expert in the juggle and the challenge of running her businesses combined with the busyness of motherhood. In 2013, Beth started her current business, Kids Love to Cook, by offering classes in the local primary school. Nowadays, her fabulous Kids Love to Cook team connects kids and food in both face-to-face workshops and the digital space. Beth is mum to four daughters aged 17 to 25, and for the past 27 years, she's been married to Jeremy, who Beth assures us won't be found cooking. Thanks so much for joining today, Beth. I'm really looking forward to our conversation because I know for a lot of women, they're going to identify with parts of what we're going to be talking about. And for others, it's going to maybe stretch their imaginations as to what they could possibly do for their future as well. So Beth, um, when I think about the woman I am now, sometimes I, I go back to what my earlier years were like. So our teenage and adult years can often shape the woman that we become. How was growing up in the 80s for you? Fantastic. Well, Joe, so good to be here and chatting because we could chat forever. Okay, so the 80s. So I am now 56, so that I grew up in the late 70s, early 80s. That's my, as my kids would say, they're my uh, my prime years. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that my prime years now, but uh, they say, oh, that was your glory days, mum. <laughs> so it I grew up in um, Springwood in the Blue Mountains and it was a small sort of villagey type environment and we grew up in bushland and we grew up with cold chisel, midnight oil, (laughs) all of the 80s bands and we were a total classic, uh, the classic Australian uh, white upbringing and involved with lots of things in the community. So Every day I had something on. There was netball training and there was guides and brownies and there was, um, what else was there? Uh, all my brothers and sisters did athletics, little athletics. And um, I did, I was heavily involved in our local church. And just if there was anything on in the community, I was involved with it. So it was a really sort of busy life. And, um, but um yeah, active and fun and really sort of, to the most part, kept me out of trouble. <laughs> Excellent. And the role models that you had growing up back then, who were they and what sort of areas did they maybe push you into? Yeah, fantastic. So um, being really heavily involved in the communities means that there was there was lots of great women around me. And there was, you know, some dodgy women that you think, and I think the, the not so great people in your world often shape you as much 
as the positive ones. I remember we had this guide leader, this brownie leader, and uh, she was a cranky old piece. <laughs> and and I remember my dad having a bit of a go at my dad's the nicest man in the world. And uh, he, he's saying, oh, you know, I don't know why you're working in this environment. You you know, you've got young girls who are looking up to you. And so um, there was a lot, lots of women in my local church that were really great role models. And I can think of there was, yeah, and women that I played netball with or, yeah, just the more people that you know, the more people that are able to speak into your life and give you that well-rounded experience in life. So lots of women who are, um, you know, whether they were educated or just not necessarily uneducated, but women who not necessarily didn't have a uni degree because things were quite different back then. Mm. Neither of my parents have got any sort of academic degrees. So, yeah, so I think that is there anyone specifically? There is a woman that stands out to me who was super stylish who came to our local church and there was a lot of sort of frumpy sort of ladies. And so this woman um, Jenny, she was, she was so classy and she had a beautiful home. And I, I just remember her standing out because she was a woman of faith and she was beautiful and, and she had a beautiful family. And so I remember this woman as someone that I wanted to be like, yes. because, you know, she dotted a lot of those, um, yeah, yeah, she ticked a lot of the boxes. And do you think that's who you've become? Have you morphed more into Interesting enough, you interesting enough, probably. Like <laughs> it, it wasn't until we were, we, you and I were chatting in the last couple of weeks that I thought, yeah, that's that's true, that um, she had a beautiful home. I've got a beautiful, well, I, I feel like I've got a beautiful home. And her husband had a business. I've got a business. And uh, she's a woman of faith, which is what I am. So there was a, there's, and, and I love fashion and style. So, um, yeah, so now that I'm thinking back to that, I feel that, you know, Jenny made quite a bigger impact on me yeah. than I sort of had realised at the time or have even acknowledged until just as we've had that conversation. So the other thing that she had is she would always have people around because it was that era where you entertained a lot. And um, I love entertainment as well. So in the last three years, we've really got out of that. But love having people in my home and feeding people. And, yeah, so, hmm. Well, maybe some of the younger people in your that look up to you, you could be the the Jenny of for some other people as well, Beth. That's there you go. I do love what you said about having role models, who, you know, they may not be the positive role models, they're role models nonetheless, and showing you what you don't want to be become or in a way that you don't want to behave. So that's that's a really great point to make because I think sometimes we often think of of the positive role models in our life, but there are some mm. others who are role modeling other behaviors that will sort of steer you in a direction of what you don't want to become. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think it's it crystallizes those characteristics that you don't want to be. And yes. um you probably didn't think, oh, I don't want to be negative and critical until you meet someone who's negative and critical and you think, yeah, no, thanks, not for me. Yeah, yeah that's so true. And in our discussions earlier, you were talking about how you have been an entrepreneur running your own businesses since about the age of 32, which is quite amazing that you've had such a longevity in this area of, of business. So what led you to the life of becoming an entrepreneur? 
Well, it's inter- so interesting. When I left home when I was 23, um, well, before that process, you know, I was processing what do I want to do with my life? I was in my early 20s. And so I went through all these things. So I want to travel around Australia. <laughs> I wanted to work with the disadvantaged, which is what I've done, I did in my 20s. I wanted to do different things. And one of those things was I wanted to run my own business. And there's, I don't know, I feel like there's almost like this innate thing within me that wants to control um, the life that I live. And so that owning your own business, <laughs> um, owning my own business ticks that box. So um, that, so I've always, and my creativity comes out in my ideas. I'm an ideas person. So I'm always thinking of things that, oh, I can do this or I can do that. Mm-hmm. And my husband will say, how about you do the things that you've got in your hand well? Yeah. <laughs> and then we can move on from that. <laughs> and I think when I met my husband, I, I'd said to Jeremy, one of the things that I really feel to do that's really in my sort of gut was that I wanted to own my own business. And so our relationship had been sort of set up on this whole, let's empower each other to live the kind of life that we want to live as individuals and, um, you know, better together. So um, when I was pregnant with my second daughter, that I decided that I, I said, oh, let's, we were living in the northern suburbs and it was when the service industry kicked back in. So there was a long period of time where people didn't sort of have the lawnmower guy come in. I can hear my lawnmower guy out the front. People didn't get the pools clean. People didn't have house cleaners. And so I randomly came up with this idea that I wanted to own a home delivered fruit and vegetable service so that I was able to pick really good quality fruit and veg. I would go to the markets. Anyway, I started this business that I ran just one day a week. And so that was my first sort of foray into running my own business. And then skip a couple of years down the track, um, I ended up starting, (laughs) establishing a dry cleaning business but we niched down to we only did wedding dresses. And I ran this business for 14 years. Um, And it was called Sydney Wedding Gown Preservation, sold it to a gorgeous man who owns it now. And it was my opportunity to do lots of different things. I learned so many things about myself (laughs) because in a business, the leader is everything rises and falls on the leader it, in no matter what setting, but particularly in a small business, that's very, very true. You can't blame anyone else. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, I ran that business for 14 years and that was great, great, but a bit stressful, not from a face-to-face sort of thing, but because we were dealing with really, you know, people's A, sentimental garment and B, very expensive garments then it just became quite stressful but mm. we'll circle back to that later of how that sort of yeah. impacted me on another level so um yeah, yeah and then and and then because I was looking to do something else then I ended up starting kids love to cook mm. oh, tell us a little bit about that because that's your current business now and what was yes. the catalyst for you wanting to create that particular business okay so I was looking to diversify out of Sydney wedding gown because it yeah it was taking a lot of my sort of time and so resources so I thought oh and so I was just sort of mulling you know you sort of have these thoughts that they don't even land they just sort of they're in your subconscious and so and then I I was talking I've got four daughters 
and my kids were in primary school at this stage and my three of my daughters are the singing, dancing, acting, sporting type and they're out there, I'm doing this and that, I'm going to gymnastics and soccer training and, you know, all the things that you do when your kids were in primary school. And then my beautiful daughter, Georgia, she is my third daughter and she's like chilled. She's just so chilled, not much now as a 20-year-old, but she was so chilled. And so I'm trying to be super mother here. And I say, okay, darling, well, what do you want to do for an activity? Because she was kind of toddling along to Taekwondo or gymnastics or, and she's not sporty at all. She's like, she's not sporty. And I said, well, darling, what would you like to do? And she said, I'd really like to go to cooking classes. And I thought, brilliant, great. Okay, let's get the Google out and find out where it is. And the closest kids cooking class was, I think it was like an hour and a half away. And I thought, well, that's just ridiculous. And I thought, oh, that's disappointing. You know, that, like, as much as I like to make things happen, it was just unrealistic for me to be able to make that happen. Anyway, later in the day, I thought, what am I saying? Kids cooking? I could do that because <laughs> I love yeah. cooking. Yes. And and so it was like a natural fit for me. And I was used to dealing with groups of people and I'd worked in community and for many years as well. And I've been in the church environment. So it's all about people and groups. And I thought, I reckon I could get a kids cooking classes going, you know, in the local area. Well, and I spoke to Jeremy about it and he goes, yeah, well, let's explore it. And well, the very next day. And I love this. I love that whole serendipitous thing that the very next day, Georgia came home from school and she said, mum, our teacher is asking the parents if she'd like to run some cooking classes, but she needs some parents help. And was wondering if any of the parents would like to come in and run cooking classes for the class. So it was like, what? Like it didn't come two days beforehand. It came that day so uh, yeah like you've got to see that there's you know there's yeah. a touch of of, of fate or yes. god or, or whatever yeah, um, in that so so that was that was like a crash course of like whoa okay and I like to dive in because I'm a I am a bit of a risk taker so yes. like okay let's go and buy all the equipment and, and so for about six months I went into the class and taught cooking and Oh my goodness, the poor cleaners. And, <laughs> and it was great. It was a great experience. It was a sort of crash course into classroom management, but it was great. And then after that, I offered it to the local, to a, I went in as I found a school hall. Mm-hmm. And at that stage, this school was one of the biggest schools in the area. What I didn't know was that they didn't have an after school care program. So when I say, hey, we're going to run a cooking class for $20 for two hours, which, you know, now that just seems ridiculous. I just had so many people. I think I I had set this expectation. Gee, if I have eight kids come along, it would be great. I'll set my bar at eight. Well, at 24 kids, I said, oh, oh no, 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 I need and, you know, I've got my oldest daughter helping me. I've got some other girl that was working in the other business helping me, like, Oh, Beth, as, as a teacher of, of many years' experience, that just you know, sends my blood cold thinking of that. Having, kids in the kitchen, having my own kids in the kitchen was enough for me. So hats off to you that you created such an incredible business. And that's what I think you don't realise the courage it takes to mm. have an idea. And that's for some people, that's a nightmare. For other people, it's part of who they are. And clearly 
that's something that you love to do is to create and be in control of something and steer it mm. the direction that you want. And your business now is is a lot of both online, from what I understand from, from COVID as well, and it's face-to-face that you have. So it's been able to change and morph over the years. Absolutely. One other quick story that I will tell you is that I had, we had a venue in Parramatta in 2019 and I really had this thing that I really like this sense that I um for the for the previous few years that I really wanted to run online classes because in in a venue you can only have a certain amount of kids and I knew that I was just missing so many kids that that wanted to have access to cooking classes and so at the end of January 2020 I closed the lease down and and I said, I'm going to take three months <laughs> and I'm going to set up the online classes. Well, we all know that mid-March, we went into lockdown and everything went on to Zoom. So again, there was this other serendipitous experience of having that gut sense or instinct, whatever you want to call it, and making a decision based on that. And then just an open door of opportunity coming. And uh, I love my online community. And uh, yeah, I love them the most because um, I love face-to-face, but it's so much work. Whereas the online, everyone's in their own space. They're comfortable. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to let you know that story. Yeah, Mm. no, that's that's great. And I love that whole serendipitous thread that's come back Mm. into it. Because I know having just started the entrepreneurial journey myself, after having been in such a secure job where I know when my holidays are going to be, I'm security of having a, a regular pay to suddenly going off on your own can be a bit more daunting. So how have mm. your family and friends supported you with your various businesses? Absolutely. Well, my big shout out would be to my husband, Jeremy, because he's one of those people that he he has several, he calls them projects that he runs himself. But before that, he's always my biggest fan. And that doesn't mean that he doesn't you know, give me a hard time and call me out on things. Um, but he has created, no, well, we, we both together have created uh, the type of relationship where we give space for each other to you know, do the things that we wanted to do in life. And so, of course, you know, your most impactful relationship is key to that sort of environment. So that's been sort of the hallmark. And, I mean, and that has been a roller coaster. I mean, because there's been good times and where I've been able to be there for the kids and, and that's been, and being able to pick and choose my holidays. So we've sort of chosen lifestyle as a, like a really high priority. But, of course, the last two, two and a half years, and financially has been like for anyone that's run a business um not everyone but for a lot of people who've run businesses and navigated through COVID that has been incredibly challenging and um quite impacting so there's that so I'm one of four and um my two brothers both run their own businesses as well which is kind of interesting because we come from my parents who are incredibly stable and um you know you were talking about security and stability and so my dad has lived in about four houses in his entire life he was born in the house that he left when to get married (laughs) and so and he had the same jobs from the time he joined as a post boy when he was 13 to the time he retired from Telstra when he was 55 so super secure 
and so you know I, we give the man apoplexy because you know, yes. <laughs> we're uh, you know my two brothers and I we have our own businesses and so that's been fabulous and we've got a great relationship within our family within my sister-in-laws and my brother-in-law as well so they're super supportive and um, super challenging. So they're able to say, well, why are you doing that? Like you're not setting your price high enough or, you know, they'll call me out on things, but they'll call me up as well. So it's not just calling me out, but calling me up. Yeah. And um, just recently my sister-in-law, who's an accountant, said, right, we're going to look at your books. We're going to set you up for the next two years. Yeah, so being able to trust my family with mm. opening and being vulnerable is, um, oh, well, I just see it as an incredible blessing. And um, yeah. you know, not everybody has that situation. Uh, we don't have the same situation so much on, on my husband's side, but in my own direct family, that's very much the case. And also for my own daughters, and we were talking about it the other night, they would be able to um, say by rote my when I had Sydney wedding gown, I would ask the same questions to the client. And so they had this, they had this sort of blurb and, and literally we were sitting at family dinner the other night and one of my daughters just said the whole blurb and I haven't owned it for I don't know how many years, but, um, so, you know, they've modeled that. Mm. I mean, I've modeled and they have watched me navigate clients, navigate horrendous clients. They've seen me go for something and achieve it. And so there's been that sort of, yeah, just your role modeling for your kids and your kids call you out as well. And as they get older, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're always older. very good at calling you out. That's oh, they're like very good. They're very, they're very sophisticated and they they know everything. Yeah. They know everything. Yes, yes. <laughs> amazing how much they can pack in, isn't it? All that life experience they've had. <laughs> as I, and as I say, you're not paying mortgage insurance. Like, you know, mortgage <laughs> insurance is one of those ridiculous payments that nobody ever thinks that you're ever going to pay mortgage insurance. And so I, I always pull that out. So, girls, I mean, how are you going with your Fitbits and and all of your technology that you buy? Well, you're not paying mortgage insurance. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Beth, have you had, given that you've got, had so many years in business, what do you do to support your health and wellness? Beth, because we're, my, my focus is a lot for making sure that the women in their, their midlife and beyond are really focusing on their health and wellness so they can live as, as long as they can, as well as they can. So what do you do in that area to support? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't love exercise. And so it's very easy for me to come up with a million reasons why I can't go for a walk. or um, And so what I've done is set, an accountability partner so that every week on a Monday I send a little message to say this is what I've done last last week and so um and it could be anything so for me it's about moving my body um and one of the things that I've really found and I find this so interesting I'll be sitting at my desk and I, I, and I can't get a breakthrough or a thought or and I think if I just get up and go for a walk that will just come to me mm. and so I've found that I've set like a 40-minute timer that I have to move my body for 10 minutes after 40 minutes. Now, because I've just found that that works really well for me. And, and because the majority of the time I work from home, I can go and put a load of washing on or I can get up and do something like that. Um, I've got my smoothie here. Of course, food for me is a really big deal. Um, so eating well, 
and making good choices with what we eat as a family, what I eat individually. And particularly as my body has changed over the last few years, going through menopause, then that I can't just skim by anymore and just hope, you know, because for the majority of my life, I weighed 58 kilos. Well, I don't weigh 58 kilos now. So I've had to make specific intentional changes to my diet, to my lifestyle. Like I'm choosing not to live at a frantic pace anymore because that just doesn't work for my for my mind. It doesn't work for my body and, and just exercising more. So, and drinking water, Joe. drinking water. It's my, <laughs> yes, it's highly underrated because you do, it, your brain requires that intake of water to be hydrated. It helps yeah. you thinking. It do, really does help you thinking. Oh. Sluggish. And I love the way that you've got, Beth, you mentioned about the um, setting your timer. Yours is 30, uh, 40 minutes, 40. 30 minutes. And I do the same sort of thing. Get up and move around because not everyone loves to do a, a big block of exercise. And they've found mm-hmm. that exercise snacking, that those little bits of of movement throughout the day makes a huge difference. Mm, mm. It totally, totally does. And I can see the value of it. Mm. Yeah. And even though I don't love it, I I do love it when I am finished. Yes. <laughs> so one of the things that I do is I might do a little 15-minute dance routine. I, I whack a YouTube video on and just do a 15-minute um, dance routine. So um, I yeah. bet you've got a so, smile on your face when you do it too. And that's that's another great one because it does yeah. make you feel so good. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I don't know about you, yeah. but I, I can't quite move my body in the way I used to when I was dancing. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, Beth, back in the day, I was a little bit more limber. Mm-hmm. So you're you're showing your your daughter so many great things about what it's like to be a woman, making decisions for herself, looking after herself, coping with challenges. So Mm. having four daughters, what are you wanting to really teach them and have them know about what it's like to be a woman in midlife? Absolutely. Uh, That you matter. That one of the things we talk about in our family is about seasons. And so serve the season that you're in so Mm -hmm. and that's one of the things that I will say on a regular basis that don't try to run run ahead don't try to to don't look at the past with regret but enjoy the season that you're in and some seasons aren't enjoyable at all really like Mm -hmm. for me I didn't enjoy having little kids when I had four kids like that was not enjoyable I had a non-sleeper but there's no point in me trying to wish I was somewhere else or wish I was ahead or trying to, you know, you've just got to serve the season that you're in. So uh, that's probably one of the things that we talk about. My daughter at the moment is my oldest daughter was going to join the defences well, she still is, but that was put off for a period or she got COVID two days before she enlisted. So then she's ended up facing this period of time where and she's super planned and organized and scheduled and so right now she's in Spain and she's having a six-week holiday in Spain just grabbing that opportunity rather than being miserable and I didn't work out the way I said honey this is a gift of time and so grab the gift of time um, because you don't know when you're going to have six weeks holidays over the next six years so um hmm. so that's what that's probably one of the greatest things we say is enjoy the season that you're in 
And that might lead into the next question I was going to ask you, Beth. So if you could give the 40 plus woman one piece of advice, what would that be? Would it be something similar to that or something a little bit different given they're, they're older? Yeah probably, yeah, probably the same. Like know the season that you're in. One of my beautiful friends, um, Shelley, said to me, she's got four kids and they were sort of similar ages as mine. And she said, Beth, there's a period of time, I mean, for most, not everybody, it's, so this isn't like a blanket thing, but for me and for her situation, she said, there's a time where you're, the kids have finished high school, they're, they're driving, um, at, they, they don't need you as much in terms of that day-to-day. You're not driving them to soccer training and, and then there's a time when grandkids come along or there's a there's another season and she said there's all that it could be two years it could be 10 years do everything that you can in that season don't think oh it's all over now <laughs> it's different it's a different season so um and I've just I tucked that she must have said that to me five years ago mm. and um and I'm here now like my daughter is in year 12 and she's driving herself around and just don't I don't need or they don't need me in terms of, you know, dinner's not got to be on the table at 6pm and got to have the kids there at X amount of time and different season altogether. So, um, yeah, and then that's given Jeremy and I the freedom that we can then make plans because we know there's a period of time that we've got that great, like, we get to, we get to make these plans. So, yeah, that's my advice. I totally identify with that. And navigating that empty nest is really difficult. When you're not prepared for it so I like that advice of you know it is a season of life but if you're aware of it and thankfully you were aware of it given your friend gave you that little piece of life mm-hmm. advice if, mm-hmm. if you've got you know if you've got children who are going to be leaving home soon or, or your role is changing it's it's thinking ahead what can you do to support yourself through that so that that is really a great piece of advice to give yeah. to one and who are in that season or about to come to that season yeah and that doesn't mean that there isn't a grieving process mm. because I very much had that grieving period where I mean Annalise is still at school but she just doesn't need me and so I had this oh maybe it was about six months of just feeling really empty and why like I even had that thought why am I alive like which is ridiculous like not not that I wanted to end it but mm. I, I felt like my parent purpose the way that I had known it previously was no more and I and I yeah I just felt a bit lost so there was a grief process but it's sort of like it was it was almost like it within a week it suddenly shifted and I had a sense of yeah great great and it yeah so, you know the brain's a funny thing it resolves itself it's yeah yeah no that I I agree it's it's um you're redefining the relationship that you have with your children because they're mm-hmm. they're not children anymore. They're well, they they are your children, but they're not of a child's age. So they're young adults, and it's it's navigating mm-hmm. that new relationship. It's also creating a new identity for yourself that where you're not needed in the way that you were, but you're still such a, an important part of your kids' lives as well. And, mm-hmm. and how you find that. So Beth, coming back into this this question here, so if you could look into the future now, because we've talked a lot about your past and the present time at the mm-hmm. moment. So if you could look into the future, what do you hope that 80-year-old Beth is going to say about current day Beth? Oh, okay. This is a great question. <clears throat> current day, uh, probably sweat less. <laughs> Not sweat as in, as in, as in, 
yet um, that everything's going to work out. Yeah, everything always works out in the past. But I, when I reposition myself, I think, oh, I, I panic about things. So I think 80-year-old Beth would say, enjoy, enjoy every day, worry less, dream more. Oh, mm. I love that. Mm. That's, that's beautiful. Yep. Mm. So Beth, some, some of the women who may be listening to this podcast may have children who are younger, who might be interested in, oh gosh, someone can do some cooking classes with them. So how, if people want to, how might they be able to connect with you? Absolutely. So if you're on Instagram or Facebook, our handle is Kids Love to Cook. And, um, and of course, we've got the website, which is kidslovetocook.com.au. But I'm all usually hanging out on Instagram and um, most days that I pop up a story and let you know what you can cook and tips for cooking with kids. So that's where I am. Thank you. And I've really loved our chat and I hope it's allowed some women to see how they can redefine midlife for themselves and think of another way of how life could be navigated as we age. So thank you so much for this wonderful chat, Beth. Fabulous to be here, Jo. Thanks so much for listening and sharing your time with me today. I'd love you to hit subscribe on Apple Podcast or your favourite podcast app to keep spreading these empowering messages. Please share this podcast with other incredible midlife women in your world. Join me again next week for another redefining midlife conversation. Thanks again for tuning in.